All right, good morning. So today we kick off a new series called Dead Man Walking. We will take a brief break away from Romans, just briefly, uh, which we, we started back in January. Um, and we're going to be going into the book of John as we go into this Easter season, only to re- return immediately back into Romans. But it's important that we do this because it really helps tie everything together. You know, when we started the year, we understood what it meant to be set apart, understood what it meant to live a life as a follower of Christ. Then we went into a section that talked about understanding and finding the truth whenever we're dealing with different lies that we're told and lies that we tell ourselves and and learning where to to find the truth in in God's word and and what he says and and what what is set in stone for us. And then we go through a section and talking about how things can can be difficult and unfair. And then we have to take a step back and say, okay, all of these things are happening, but it all happens because of one man. All because of a man named Jesus. And so as we go into this Easter season, places around the country will will head into the Gospels and start talking about a man who rode in on a donkey into Jerusalem. A man who had a price tag on his head, who was set out to die for us. And we are going to do that this morning, but we're going to take it a few verses earlier. We're going to go a little bit earlier into it. And then when we pick back up in the, in the next few weeks, back in Romans, we're going to talk about words like justification, propitiation, and the things that Jesus has done for us. But it all cannot happen if Jesus doesn't go and die on the cross for us, only to become victorious over death. And it all starts in John chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. That's where we're going to start off this morning. To get us going, let me first I- explain what's happening. Is, is Jesus is going through in his ministry. He's, he's doing miracles left and right. He's, you know, he's feeding people with just a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread. He's um, exercising demons from people. He's doing all kinds of things. And then we get to a section here in, J- in John chapter 12 where we see Jesus provides what some people call the big one, one of the big miracles before Jesus dies on the cross and raises from the dead. And when, when Blake was like, hey, would you be interested in sharing this message? I was like, yeah, sure. Um, and then I went back and I was like, oh, man, this is only three verses. And I started doing the, um, the speaker math. So if I've got about 30 minutes, only have three verses, I mean, I think I talked 10 minutes per verse. I was freaking out a little bit. And then the, the more I read into it, the more I realized, my goodness, in just three verses, the amount of power that God can pack into it is just ridiculous. And, you know, just so you guys get a little bit of my background, I grew up in the church my whole life, and I'm talking for Halloween, I was a shepherd, then I was Joseph, then I was Moses, then I was John the Baptist. And for those of you playing along at home, that's a robe, sandals, and a beard every single year, okay? So I understand, you know, the, the, the story of Jesus, I understood scripture, and, you know, it's, it's something that I, that I was raised with. But it's amazing to me how every time we can open God's Word and learn something new over something that we think we know or think we remember time and time again, um, God calls our attention to something else. Maybe it's because of things that are going on in our lives. Maybe it's because as we grow in knowledge, we, we then dig a little deeper, and, and the Bible tells us that eventually we will transition from milk into meat. And that's, you know, that's kind of the, the neat thing about the Bible is the Bible stays the same. It is us who changes, and it's us who changes because of Him. And I'm so thankful for that. So, you know, I sat down and started reading through these three verses and never really understood in detail the impact that it has on the Easter account until, you know, really got a chance to dig in. 
And so this morning, let's, re, uh, let's read this section together, and then we'll, we'll really dig into it because it is loaded. So John chapter 12, beginning in verse 9, says this. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. That's the section we're going to focus on this morning. Anyone in here big movie fans, big movie buffs, love movies? Just a few of you? Okay. Well, let me explain um, a little movie device or movie um, tool that a lot of directors use. They use something called in media res. Okay? So if you don't know what in media res is, um, if you've seen the Disney movie, The Emperor's New Groove, which is one of my favorite Disney movies, it starts off with a llama sitting in the rain and he's depressed. And it's one of those moments where he's like, I bet you're wondering how I got here. Tons of movies use it. Um, Inception uses it. A lot of other movies start in the middle. Then you kind of narrate and go backwards to give yourself context so you know how the person got to where they are now, only to be able to move past that and get to the end of the story. Well, that's what we're going to do this morning. So we understand in the section of Scripture that we just read that there are large crowds of people there not only to see Jesus, but to see a man named Lazarus. And it's important that we understand why so many people showed up, not only to see Jesus, but to see this Lazarus guy. So let's have a little bit of an in-media rest moment here, and let's, let's back up a little bit. Let's back up a chapter. All you have to do is turn your page over one, you know, one page. Maybe you don't even have to turn your um, Bible over a page. Maybe you could see it you know, on the opposite page. But you see where... Just a chapter ago, the name Lazarus was associated with a man who was dead. He was dead. Not just recently dead, as in, you know, moments or hours ago. Um, Not just dead, as in even a day ago. Dead for four days dead. Okay? And you can see in, in John chapter 11 that this was no accident that, that Jesus, you know, waited, and this is part of this whole process as Jesus is going into Jerusalem, about to give himself over to, to the leadership there so that he can, you know, save us. But you see in John 11 that Lazarus was in the grave. Martha and Mary, his sisters, were, were distraught and sad, and Jesus comes and raises him from the dead. Now, there are some, some people that would say, wow, Jesus raised someone from the dead. No, he didn't just raise somebody from the dead. He raised someone from the dead four days dead, okay? Let me put that in perspective for you because this isn't the first time that Jesus raises somebody from the dead. He raised two other people from the dead prior. He raised someone from the dead who was uh, the widow's son in a place called Nain in Luke 7. Or you could go to Luke 8 and see where he raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. And those are absolutely miraculous in their own right. But you have to maybe play a little bit of devil's advocate and think that there are skeptics out there who may say, hey, that person probably wasn't quite dead. They, they were probably hanging in there. They may have been unconscious. You know, back in that day, there were people who weren't as technologically advanced. We didn't have all the medical science we have today. So they were probably just unconscious for a little while, and they were, their system was just shocked back by maybe something, some type of maybe water or noise or something that brought them back. And, you know, just trying to play that devil's advocate, Jesus was like, okay, well, let's wait four days. 
Let's wait four days. We're going to take that out of the equation, that whole idea of what the medical terminology is, NDEs or near-death experiences, where people can literally be dead. Their heart will stop and, and cease functioning for, for minutes or, or even up to, to hours before they are, they are brought back. And, and Jesus said, all right, we'll wait four days. He was already embalmed and wrapped in spices to cover the smell of decay. John chapter 11, verses 38 through 40, tell us that when Jesus went to Lazarus' sister Martha to, to have things opened up, to have the, the grave opened up, um, she basically made it known to him, look, are you sure you want to do this? Look, I believe in you. I, I trust that you can do amazing things. But you see in verses 38 through 40, it says, Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? She basically told him, Jesus, look, he is four days dead. He's going to stink. It's hot out here. We live in the Middle East. And then you scurry down to John 11, 45 and 46, and we see that he raises him from the dead, and then people, people are flocking to, to Martha and Mary because of something that had happened that is so unbelievable. They saw that Lazarus was alive. They talked to his sisters and knew that he was alive, and they believed. But then there were others who didn't believe. And instead of believing, after finding out that someone who was dead for four days chose not to believe, but instead would run to the Pharisees, run to the chief priests, run to the leaders of that time to be an elementary school tattletale and say, hey, um, that Jesus guy that we've been worried about, he did it again. And not only did he do it again, he did it bigger and better than he's ever done it before. And so Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Word spreads like wildfire. People travel physically to, to see him, and, and you see these two responses happen. You see one of belief, and then you see one of anger and jealousy. And this is true of the gospel today. When the message of Jesus is shared, there are two opportunities for response. It is either one of positivity or one of negativity. It is one that will either draw people closer to Jesus or draw people away from Jesus. The gospel doesn't leave people standing still in a moment of apathy. There's always a response of the heart. It is just a question of what kind. That's how powerful the message of Jesus is. It's so powerful that a person's heart can't help but respond. I'm sure if I asked you this morning, if you saw somebody walking around who had been dead for four days, you would say, of course I would believe in the person who brought them back. You think that's the obvious response. You think there's no way to deny that. There's absolutely no reason if I saw someone who was embalmed and in the tomb, the next time I see him is they're walking around thinking, whoever did this is incredibly powerful, and I need to follow that person. I need to trust in that person. You would think emphatically, yes, I would follow. But I think we're giving our humanity too much credit. There are those in this world whose hearts are so hardened that for some, the gospel only makes their hearts harder. And this is a perfect example here. Matthew 12.30 actually says, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And in this instance, you see both happen immediately. So now we arrive back to our point where we started, where there's large crowds gathered around to see Jesus 
and to see Lazarus. Now having a little bit of context, now knowing, okay, this Lazarus guy had something amazing happen to him, and he was with Jesus. So people obviously wanted to know, okay, here's what all the commotion has been about. We now have context. We now have a little bit of background, so let's keep moving. We're now at a point where there's huge crowds gathered around to see because they will get a glimpse of the healer and the healed, the miracle worker and the miracle. And it gives them an opportunity to respond and to decide for themselves what they are seeing. It gives them an opportunity to figure out how they should react. That's what they came to, to see what was going on. And because these crowds were continuing to find and look for Jesus and Lazarus, more and more Jews were converting. That's what it says in, in, in Scripture. It tells us that that's one of the reasons that they wanted Lazarus dead. So not only were the chief priests upset about what Jesus was doing, constantly doing different things to, to prove to the world that he was the Son of God, that he was who he says he was, that he was fulfilling the prophecy, he was fulfilling the Scripture as it was told. Now you bring in a, a man like Lazarus who was the recipient of a miracle, who was faithful to Jesus and followed him. He became a walking example of what Jesus could do and became a big factor in the conversion of so many Jews. So you have these two groups of people. You have those who choose to believe and those who are converting into followers of Christ. And then you have the others who were plotting to kill Jesus and now plotting to kill a man who was already dead at one point. They were willing to kill a man again. That's how hard the hearts of these people were. I find that kind of ironic because they, they saw that this man was dead. They see the man who raised him from the dead. I guess they couldn't connect the fact, well, if I kill him again, Jesus would just raise him from the dead again. But the hate in their heart was so strong that the logic, that the, the obvious answers were not, were not coming to them. So we know that, that Jesus did this all for a reason. As he's going into Jerusalem, he, he, he makes this stop. He, he brings Lazarus back from the dead. He speaks into the tomb, and he comes out, and now he's following him, and the crowds are following him, and everybody's up in a commotion and, and starting to see what Jesus has done and, and who Jesus is. And if you think about it, it's nothing that Lazarus did. These crowds are coming because of everything that Jesus did. Lazarus didn't have to do a thing to be put on this hit list. Jesus did all of the work, and yet by pure association, he became a wanted man because he was walking proof. He was walking evidence of the power that Jesus had and only further showed that he was the real deal. Jesus used a single situation to do so many things. He used a single situation to bring a man back to life, to heal somebody physically, to give him life again. Not only that, he showed the world his power and draw, drew droves of people to him. Lazarus had all the proof he needed to be more than willing to walk around with Jesus. I mean, that God brought him back to life. But yet he still had an option of what he, what, when he came back to life, what he would do. He could have said, hey, Jesus, thank you so much, uh, but I'm going to hang here now. Um, 
dying once was tough. I don't want to do it again. Um, so I, I'm, I'm just going to hang out here and be safe. But he responded and said, Jesus, I will go with you. So you have Jesus and you have Lazarus in the town together, and everybody is focused on that. And we know why all of this is happening, and Lazarus is learning why this is happening, and that it's not about him, that it was never about him. Whenever Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, it was very clear that it was never about him. In John chapter 11, verses 41 and 42, we can see that even Jesus prays aloud to God, and he says, So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Now listen to verse 42. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. Not an accident, people. Not an accident. And Lazarus was just a part of this larger plan that Jesus had. Everything that Jesus was doing was to bring everyone's focus back to the glory of God and the fact that he was indeed the Son of God. It is no accident that he decided to raise somebody else from the dead mere days before riding into Jerusalem to where he would die and raise himself from the dead. What a foreshadowing of what was to come. He wanted to leave no doubt in the minds of the people around of who was in control, constantly pointing back to his father, Father God. This story right here is the crux of what evangelism is, folks. God changes a life, brings a life back from the dead, maybe not physically, but spiritually dead to spiritually alive. And to be raised with him, and then we have the opportunity to follow him. That we have the opportunity not to point at ourselves and say, look what happened to me, but look what God did in me. Look what Jesus did for me. The story of Lazarus is a lot like ours for those who have come to follow him. We had our old life. It was put to death only to be raised into a new one because of what Jesus had done for us. We're to be in constant fellowship with him through prayer, through worship, through study. This is the beginning. This is the beginning of so many things. And Lazarus was faithful. Lazarus was obedient. And he went with Jesus. He went with Jesus willing to be a target. He went with Jesus, willing to be the person that pointed back to Jesus. Not so people could point and look at him, but so people can know who the person was that completed the miracle. He was a walking testimony for the greatness of Christ. And so, too, is what our path should be as well. We had our old life put to death, and now we have our new life. Because it's said in Matthew, if it's, you're either for him or you're against him. So let's continue on in our section of Scripture that we were reading in John chapter 12, verses 9 through 11. So we saw when the large crowds of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Let's focus on verse 11 here. So it says, so the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well because 
on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. This is where the problems all happen. It's one thing if a miracle happens and then there's no fallout. But lives are being affected. Communities are being changed. Governments and infrastructures are being absolutely dumbfounded, trying to figure out what to do with this man, Jesus. And now, they're, they're already trying to figure out what to do with Jesus. And now, because of what had happened, now because of the timing of everything, Jesus is like, now it's time to raise Lazarus. He goes, he raises Lazarus after four days, brings him with him and says, I've raised him from the dead. And what does Lazarus do? He goes. He goes with Jesus. He could have stayed put, but he didn't. It's the call on our lives. Let me ask you a question this morning. So because Lazarus did these things and affected the conversion of people, the target was put on his forehead, and the same targets can be placed on us today. Maybe not violently, but many other ways. Social media impacts, friendship impacts, career impacts, all at the expense of our willingness to point at the death of ourselves and the new life that has been given to us. So let me ask you this morning, Christ community, in verse 11 it says, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Meaning, on account of Lazarus showing up and being willing to, to stand there and, and to be the focal point to others to point to Jesus. Are we willing to put our name in the place of him in verse 11? Are we willing to say, because on account of Mary, on account of Tim, on account of, on account of Jane, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Maybe it's not Jews, but people were going away believing in Jesus. Not because of what we do, not because of anything we have done. Scripture is very clear that there is nothing we can do to save anybody. It is Jesus. It is God alone who does the saving. But it is our obedience, it is our faithfulness that we are called to point to him. So do we live that boldly, that separated, that defined, that set apart? To be willing to walk alongside Jesus so that others can look at Jesus and not us. Sounds like a very, very simple thing, right? But society and culture doesn't make it easy for us. Because it takes the, the focus off of us. The world tells us, think about me. Think about what, what's good for you. Think about what's good for yourself. Think, so, think about what's good for your family. Think about what's good for your career, for your bank account, for your number of likes on social media, for the number of retweets, for the number of all of these things that all come back to us. But for us to be able to say, stop looking at me. Look at Jesus. Because I'm nothing without him is a totally different question. Are we willing to do that this morning? So when, when I was preparing the, this message this morning, I was taken back like 20 years um, because 20 years ago, I actually preached my very first sermon, right? At, at the age of 15, instead of going on a college trip to, or a high school trip to Chicago, I stayed behind and I, I put together a, a message based on the song Jesus Freak. Does anybody know that song? Anybody a child of the late 80s, early 90s? Okay, 
So I even texted Blake this. I'm like, just so you know, I'm putting this together while I'm listening to DC Talk. And, and he said this is going to be epic. And I, I don't know if they're epic, but um, I put that together because we had a youth Sunday, and they're like, all right, we need somebody. And when you're in high school, not, any, not everybody's jumping at the chance to stand in front of a church and, and just preach. And I was like, I'm ready to, to scare some old people. So that was the first thing that went through my head, I'll be honest, right? I'm like, I'm going to play the song. I'm going to play it. And that's the first thing I did. Before I even got up there, I played the song. It's rocking. It's loud. People are looking around, confused, scared. You know, all of these things are happening. And originally, when I wanted to do it, I wanted to do it for two reasons. One is I wanted to be, you know, counterculture. I wanted to be like, let's get out of the seats. Let's get excited. But also because I loved so much what the message of that song was. Because the song Jesus Freak is about stop, we stop caring about what other people think. There's a, a line in the song that says, I don't really care if they label me a Jesus freak. There's no denying the truth. It says there's no disguise in the truth. All of these little, little statements were about taking the focus off of all these things that would make us cool and make us exciting and make us popular or make us have the, the best opportunities. None of that has changed in 20 years. It may have changed in the sense of technology, but at the end of the day, we live in a very self-centered world that is focused on me. And even 20 years later, the message that, that comes from, you know, the, the song Jesus Freak, stop caring about what other people think and what other people will do. Who cares about those things? Lazarus decided, you know what? I'm not going to care about those things. I'm sure he knew once he got up that there was already grumblings about, about Jesus, that it wasn't a secret we were coming up on those last days. The, the chief priests were ready to kill Jesus. The plot to kill Jesus was already in place. This just expedited things. And so Lazarus willingly went alongside a man who he knew, he knew, was not, he was popular among some, but not among others. But he didn't care. There was no disguising the truth. And so Lazarus knows the truth knew it was undeniable, and he was faithful. He could have said, thank you, Jesus. Good luck helping somebody else. But he didn't do that. He said, I will go with you. I will go. You know, Blake mentioned um, before we started, you know, we are to get prepared to go outside, to go, to be the living, breathing church. And Lazarus was ready to rock and roll. He was ready to go. And all of this is before it gets to the part that everybody knows about Easter, about Jesus riding in on a donkey where they're, where they're waving palm fronds and, and people are shouting Hosanna. But even before that, Jesus had plans in the works. Jesus had decided these things are going to happen, and Lazarus was faithful to Jesus' plan. And just as much as Jesus foreshadowed his own death on the cross, through this by raising someone else from the dead before he raised himself it also foreshadows your life and mine and being impacted by salvation if you haven't experienced the salvation life we get to go from dead to living for the first time we don't know what true life is until we have been spiritually raised from the dead 
You know, I, go, I went back and I read a lot of stories about people who had what he's called these NDEs, these near-death experiences, these people who were flatlined. They were dead on the, on the table for minutes or, or an hour or whatever it may, be, may have been. And almost unequivocally across the board, every single person was not the same person afterwards. Because they, not that they had cheated, but they had been given a second chance at life. Church, for those of you who have been a believer for any period of time, are you living like you've been given a second chance at life? Because there are those out there who don't even know what it's like to live yet. And we may mirror that. We have to be careful. Are we living like we're redeemed? Are we living like we have been given life for the first time? Maybe you don't know Jesus and you, and you haven't accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Maybe, maybe you're, you're still trying to figure things out. Well, I'm telling you this morning that there's only one person that can raise somebody physically from the dead. I'm also telling you there's only one person that can spiritually raise you from the dead as well. There's a reason that Christ Community shares stories up on the stage every single week. The reason that they're up there is so every single one of them will point back to the same person. We have all of these different backgrounds, all of these different experiences, all of these different things that happen in our lives. Some are more dramatic than others, obviously. But at the end of the day, it all comes back to one person and one man who was willing to give it all for us. We all throw up our hands and say, I give up, I tried, it didn't work. That's how to summarize our, our, our stories. They're all different. They're all unique. But at the end of the day, we all try, and nothing works on our own. But God steps in, deserves all the glory for a life that has been changed. And there's something absolutely beautiful about the tapestry that God is weaving in his church. So I'm curious this morning, church. Are you ready to walk like Lazarus? Or are you still with one foot in the grave? You know, when we, when we close this morning, there will be people around for you, for you to talk to and to, to ask questions, to, to pray with you, to talk to you about, you know, next steps. But the first question you have to ask yourself is, am I alive this morning? Am I alive this morning? You say, well, I'm breathing physically. But are you living for Jesus? Do you even know him? What's great about this, this story, this account in John chapter 12, verses 9 through 11, what's absolutely beautiful about this is that Lazarus is imperfect. Lazarus isn't eloquent. Lazarus isn't theologically trained. Lazarus isn't, wasn't a motivational speaker in another, you know, before he died the first time. But he went anyway. Because what it's about, it's about obedience. It's about faithfulness. It's about a desire to put our old life to death and to experience life for the first time. And Lazarus said, let's go. Let's do this. Let's be a part of this. And so he went. So many people think that, well, if, I'm gonna, if God's going to change my life, I've, I've got to get X, Y, and Z in place first. No. 
You come as you are. Because there's nothing that God cannot handle. There's no heart that God cannot change. He changed a dead man. He changed a dead man. And then when he rose, he says, well, you, well, let's go. You ready to go? And Lazarus went. How many times have you felt called to go and to do something for the glory of God? How many times have you felt that little nudge? How many times have you felt that, yeah, I really, I really should do this. I really should. The question then becomes, what is holding you back? Who is holding you back? I guarantee whoever it is that's holding you back or whatever it is that's holding you back could not bring you back from the dead. I guarantee you that whoever it is or whatever it is cannot give you eternal life. I can guarantee that whoever it is or whatever it is could not die on a cross and come back to life three days later. Let us not forget how powerful our God is. Let's not forget who's ready and waiting in our corner. Let's not forget every single day that we wake up. Yeah, we're breathing. We're physically breathing. But who gave us that breath? Think about how intricate our lungs are. Think about how our brain even functions to know to take a breath for us to be able to get up and go outside and just even cut the grass, as miserable as that sounds. But the grass that grows because of the sun, that sun that's in this giant universe, all boils down to an all-powerful God who sent his son to die on the cross for us and who had a plan in motion from day one. And Lazarus was a part of that plan. You too are a part of his plan. So what are you going to do about the opportunities that lie in front of you? Maybe, you, maybe you've had a relationship with Jesus, but you've been, been scared or haven't been able to, to kind of cross that barrier of, of wanting to do something great for Jesus. What's holding you back? Maybe you've never trusted Jesus or, or, you know, your heart's always just been confused or something like that. Ask the question. Don't be afraid to ask the questions to get the answer that can lead you to eternity. Because as I stand here today, nothing about what I'm saying or what Blake's saying or anything like that has any power in just the words that are being said, but it all comes from God's word. It all comes from one source of truth. It all comes from and is pointed back to a man who lived 2,000 years ago. Who before he walked, or before he rode in on a donkey, went over, commanded with a loud voice, Lazarus, walk out. And a man got up from the dead and started walking with Jesus. Are you ready to walk with Jesus? Blake's going to come up here and lead us in time of prayer and get us really focused on this series. There's a lot of great things that are coming with this series. But I hope you take a few things away from this morning. Is one, that the gospel is going to make a heart move, either towards Jesus or away from Jesus, but it will move. But it's not our responsibility to make it move one way or another. It's just to speak in the name of Jesus and to let Jesus take it from there. Number two, it's also important to realize that it's not about anything that Lazarus did or anything about what we can ever do. And number three, that's a lot better to be alive than to be dead.